Have you got a Bible in front of you or wherever? Just uh, come to that in a moment. We're doing a session on the Bible, but uh, we're not going to be into it in lots of ways, but uh, we are going to look at one passage. Um, there's a couple of others mentioned. So, uh, so that's good. We're going to get a little bit more practical now, and I think I want to say right at the beginning, don't forget what Chris has said, because we're building on that, of course, uh, and the, the reality and the foundations of what has been given to us. So uh, remember that. I'm going to ask you, just for a couple of minutes again, just in uh, pairs or threes, just to uh, get us thinking, very simple question. Uh, there's not right or wrong answers, though you might think, well, I know what the right answer should be. No, it's not that. Just very simply turn to one another and say, why do you read the Bible? Why? Why do you read the Bible? Answer that question or chat amongst you yourselves. Not for long. You're not going to have to think up too much. But just, why do you read the Bible? Let's just have a, a quick brainstorm of uh, what you might be saying. And uh, we know there might be a bit of repetition. Uh, understand that. But you might say things in slightly different ways. So, why do we read the Bible? God. Who's to hear from God. Right, so you're saying, I actually believe in some way God, God can speak. Through his word, okay? Yeah? Right. Knowing God. Yeah? Okay, and I'm sure a lot of you may well have uh, said similar things there. Thanks, Dave. Anything Anything else? Ah. Oh. Uh, you've been told to do it. Like good little Christians. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But if I told you to jump in the fire, you wouldn't do that. No. No. That's fine. Great. Okay. Sorry. The words? Should and ought. Right. Yeah, okay. Sense of duty. A comfort. So uh, that's out of your experience probably that in reading it you've found comfort and help. Okay, great. Enduring Enduring depth. Do you want to say a bit more, Mike? Well, only that um, you, know, you can read the same passage a number of times in your life and it will have revelation to you from a different level. Hmm. Mm. Right. Yeah, thank you. Even as Chris was saying, you know, coming to the uh, feeding of the 5,000. But as you say, if we're talking about a living relationship between God, who in one sense is, is unchanging, his but we're changing all the time, and uh, and there are those um, those depths, yeah. And sometimes we might think we're sort of putting our feet in the shallows, and then in other times it's like we're up to our knees, or we're beginning to to swim in things. Thank you. Somebody else was just saying something back there as well. A guide. Okay, right. Guide for living, yeah. Reassurance when things aren't going right in your life and you can pick passages that give you um, hope and faith and healing. Right, yeah. 
Okay, so there's a variety of, uh, of things there. From on the one side, just that sense of, uh, duty, and sometimes there can be guilt-induced duty as well there. You know, to, to, to the heart of things, although we're saying it in different ways, you know, uh, uh, and totally building on what Chris has said, um, it's about relationship, isn't it? And about getting to know God and believing that he is living and active through his word and that we discover God through his word. It's his primary source of revelation. Um, and that he will daily encounter us through it. Um, well, you know, you may have been a Christian quite a short time. You know, if you've been a Christian quite a long time, unless you are super, super spiritual or a liar, um, you know, you will have had times when you haven't read the Bible. Or you'll have times when it's just been like sawdust. Or there are times when you just don't want to. Uh, to read God's word and you'll have other times when you know you can't get enough out of it and it, it seems to be speaking every day uh, uh, and God we're meeting God uh, through it you know and that's that's the reality but but yes um, I want to say uh, sort of at the beginning you know, those those two two verses I've put there for you have exalted this is from the Psalms and uh, the Psalms was one of the books I wanted to take uh, on the desert island if Chris would have let me have two. But I could only have one, so maybe it was Psalms, maybe it was Romans, maybe it was a gospel. You have exalted above all things your name, the character of God, who God is, and your word. Lord, to whom shall we go? Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. And of course the written word is revealing the living word to us. How did I come to faith in Jesus? Yeah, it was about people telling me about Jesus, but it was about reading about him in his word as well, or people sharing from his word. And just to get how in our hearts, if you like, how precious how valuable, how deep, how wonderful is God's word to us. You know, the true stories of folk who've, um, you know, gone to China, particularly in the communist times, the, the extreme communist times, you know, stories where they manage to smuggle one Bible in. They get a Bible in and they take it to the underground church and the leader and the first thing he does is he rips it apart, page by page by page by page by page, so that the 250, 300, 400 believers there can all have one page of God's word, and then they pass it around, because they know how valuable it is, and how authoritative it is, and how it's a touchstone for us as we live our lives. This is a true story. When I was ordained, we have what's called post-ordination training, and in the first few months there, a number of other curates like me, I'm just chatting to one of the others, and he says, well, you don't, you don't actually believe Jesus was raised from the dead, do you? 
you know, he didn't believe in the bodily resurrection. I sort of said, well, yes, I do. He said, no, it's, it's spiritual. You know, it, it's a spiritual reality, uh, but not a physical reality. I'm thinking, you've just been ordained. But this is what was going on. So I said, in my naivety, oh, let's have a look at the Gospels then. You know, he's saying, you know, Jesus is in this sort of, um, like, ghost-like form. I said, well, after the resurrection, you know, in the resurrection accounts, you know, he's eating bread and fish and what have you. And his immediate response was, oh no, that's just been added. That's just been put in there by the writer. It doesn't mean it happened. And immediately, I said, well, we can't take this conversation any further, really, until we decide how authoritative God's word is and how we're thinking about God's word. And there are, if you like, three stages, as we're saying. There is the the reading of God's word or the listening to God's word on a tape or a CD, but hearing God's word. But the second stage, of course, beyond that, as Chris was flagging up in, in so many ways, we need to engage with God's word. We're actually saying, as we come to read scripture, we will encounter the living God and he is able to reveal his character to us. Jesus is able to reveal things of himself to us through scripture. And then there's the third stage, which is living out God's word. We can read it, we can engage with it, but is it changing us? Are we responding to God through it? Are we being guided by it? Is it affecting how we live? Because it's all there. And it's wonderful treasure. And yes, the bottom line is growing in a relationship with the living God. When I was a f- first Christian, the age of 15, through the Boys Brigade camp, and yes, probably in that first flush, I couldn't get enough of the Bible. So I was really into it. But one thing I did, I've got my living Bible, I've still got it at home. It's the living Bible, a bit of a paraphrase um, of God's word. But I can remember every night... Um, I would read three psalms and I would just underline in red wherever the psalm spoke about the character of God. What was it telling me of God? And that was a, that was a real blessing to me as, as a 16 year old or a 17 year old and the psalms were, were revealing the character of God. So, I know I'm speaking in one sense to the converted, if you like, but actually it's good to get enthused about meeting God through his word, but not to go on a guilt trip when we don't feel like it, or it's too much like hard work, or I'm not getting anything out of it at the moment. Christians are very good or can be, we can be very good at sending people on guilt trips. You know, any preacher can send the congregation on a guilt trip if they speak about prayer or the Bible and just say, you know, how much have you been doing? You know, the saints of old were doing four, four hours, six hours. Wake your ideas up. You know, it's very easy to do that. The more important question is, are you growing in your relationship with God? Are you being transformed? 
Let's have a quick look um, at James 1, uh, 16 to 25. Just, uh, I was, I was just in preparing, just sort of, uh, there's some lovely simple little thoughts here. It's uh, James 1, it's on page 1213, right towards the back. It's just after Hebrews. We were just finishing Hebrews. Well, it's the next book in the Bible. I just noticed just a few things that this speaks to us of God's words. And uh, we're looking here and just at Psalm 119 briefly. Uh, and then we're going to run through some uh, practical stuff as well. And you'll explore that in your uh, groups as well uh, in the coming month. James 1, 16 to 25. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And just just some very simple thoughts uh, from those words of James there. The gift and the seed of God's word. God's words that he speaks. We can say Christ, the word of God, and the word of God uh, through the scriptures. And it would be, of course, being uh, the word of the apostles as they came into the, uh, you know, the canons of scripture later. But the idea that this is God's gift to us, and it's like that, that seed, verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. And so, if you think of like engaging with God's word, which is why I've just made reference there, we're not going to look at it, you know it, you know, about the parable of the sower and the four seeds and the seed that falls on good soil, producing 30, 60 and 100. The thing is that when our hearts are receptive, when we are open to God's word, it's like a seed that's planted in us. So it will produce life. You know, an apple seed produces apple trees when the soil is good and right. And the word of God planted in us will bring his life. It's a lovely picture. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. 
So that's as we engage with God's word, and as Chris was saying, as we prayerfully come to it and ask the help of the Holy Spirit, as we engage, God will be producing good fruit in our lives through his word. It has the power to do that. James is very challenging. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's the uh, lovely quote from G.K. Chesterton that um, I, I often remember where he says, it's not the bits in the Bible I don't understand that I find the most difficult. It's the bits I do understand. Practice hospitality. Forgive one another. Don't let any bitter root grow up in your life. Give your money to the poor. We understand them, but actually putting them into practice. That's where we need the help, of course, of God's Holy Spirit as well. The end of the day, again, in terms of reading the Bible and all the discipline we're doing, and Chris was making this point, uh, the purpose is not to grow in the knowledge of study and facts. The purpose is to grow in our knowledge and relationship of God and live his way and bring his kingdom. So when we meet God face to face, it won't be the minutiae of your theology or where you think somebody else is just off the track a little bit. It'll be, have you loved? Have you given? Have you forgiven? That's the challenge of God's word. That was the challenge of Jesus to the Pharisees, wasn't it? And uh, God's word is very comforting, as we've said, and very reassuring because it's the character of God, but it's also very challenging. And James says, put into practice. And we're told there's a resultant blessing, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. There is blessing that comes from living out God's word revealed in our lives. And so Psalm 119, um, which you don't necessarily have to turn to, but it's a great psalm uh, because, uh, again, this is something I learned as a teenager. It's amazing what you can uh, remember. But virtually every verse, it's, it's in the form of like an acrostic poem. Uh, we won't go into those details um, too much, but they're taking each letter of the uh, Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 119, the longest psalm, but like virtually every line of Psalm 119 speaks about God's precepts or ways or words, or commands, or statutes. I'm going to get my other Bible out here, because this is the one that's underlined. But if you remember, uh, Chris, was, uh, Chris was saying how, you know, right at the heart of what God is about is renewal in our lives. It's revelation of his character and renewal of our lives. And awakening is about saying we want to be more conformed to God's ways uh, and Christ's ways, that formation in Christ. And uh, Psalm 119 is a great psalm 
uh, to read over the course of uh, two or three weeks and just take seven or eight verses um, each time. Uh, one of the what refrains of it is where the psalmist is crying out, renew my life, renew my life according to your word. Here are just some of the other things that Psalm 119 says. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It helps us in the whole area of living rightly before God. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Here's the prayer Prayer for the Holy Spirit, if you like. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Here's the help. I'm laid low in the dust. I'm going through it. Renew my life according to your word. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Sometimes people think following God is restrictive. The psalmist says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. There's freedom in following God's laws and God's word. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my way, my eyes away from worthless things. Renew my life according to your word. There's so much more. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Verse 112, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. I'll let you discover some more in Psalm 119. But I'm just flagging up there what the psalmist is saying about the benefits and blessings of getting into God's word. You may have seen that little ditty before, on the table open wide, thumbed and worn and read with pride, used each day as we decide. The Bible? No, the TV guide. Through reading God's word, we encounter God, and yes, he wants to speak in to your life and mine as well, with that corrective balance that Chris gave us. So the purpose of reading the Bible is not, the primary purpose is not to make me feel better today. The first pro, uh, the first call is to say, God, reveal yourself to me through your word. I want to meet you in your word. And rest assured, you will receive comfort you will receive blessing, you will receive encouragement, and you will receive challenge, and you will receive rebuke. And be open to having your mind and your preconceptions changed as well. That's something I would say over 30, 35 years, that, you know, perhaps what I thought about some things when I was 17 have changed. Now I'm 55. And I think that's probably a good thing. Don't come so fixed to the word of God 
uh, that you're not allowing God to speak afresh into your life and mine. And it doesn't mean you won't struggle. Um, as we come on to just these practical things now, just for these last uh, seven or eight minutes that I'm going to run through quite quickly, um, you know, one of the things, one of the things that um, I found helpful is to actually be challenged to read the whole Bible through in a year. Uh, and that can be a real challenge. Now, the danger there is that, that that involves a few chapters each day. And so you can't necessarily go into detail there. I think if you're reading the Bible through, uh, trying to read it through in a year, um, then you're just, you're reading it. You're, you're trying to get the overall flow. You're, you're seeing what's happening. Uh, God will still speak to you through it, but obviously you won't be able to spend, you know, loads of time on a few verses type of thing. In doing that, you know, we are, we are challenged through that. You know, getting through some of the what's there in the Old Testament uh, and the, you know, mass destruction of people at times, um, you know, is hard. And that's trying to say, what is God saying through this? What is God doing again? Because uh, we have our, our humanity that we bring to it. But, it, you know, it can be a very valuable thing to do at least once in your life. It's just to, to try to read through the whole Bible in a year. Uh, and actually, you know, it, 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 it really means only setting aside about 20 minutes, 25 minutes each day. So think of what you spend 20 or 25 minutes on each day on other things. And uh, it is possible. So that's something to throw out. Uh, the helps there of just getting into the Bible, helping us do some of that technical stuff, um, which we do need. Because we do need to understand what's going on there in Genesis. Or as we're reading some of the history or chronicles or kings or the prophets, you know, how that's relating to what was happening in the history of time. And notes and commentaries, we've got one or two things there. I know many of you are familiar with those, but those of you who are new Christians may not be. They do a bit of the work for you. Reading the notes is not the same as reading God's word. Because don't forget, whoever's written the notes has got a perspective that they're putting on. It's sometimes good to read notes from a slightly different perspective that you might not agree with, but it's good to be challenged. I do that even with the church newspaper. So I read the one that will wind me up a bit more. But I want to hear what they're saying as well and what I can disagree with, but equally what I can be challenged by uh, as well. Anyway, I throw that out. Um, year plans, the, the, the one that I did, there was, and I, I tried to find it, it was called by Murray McShane, and he's got a, um, if I, if I get any hold of them, uh, again, I'll, I'll bring them into church. I, do they? Yeah. Lovely. Uh, and, um, Every Day with Jesus sometimes has it at, at the bottom as well. Yeah. Chronological, thanks for it. Chronolo and you can actually get a chronological Bible um, if you want to. So that's then putting, you know, starts with Job, I think. Well, the Genesis uh, Genesis account and then they're pretty into Job as one of the old, older books and uh, what have you. Very good suggestion. That's right. You can't do all of these and it's just for a given season in time. The important thing is, without any guilt trip, that we're trying to engage with 
God's Word. There are obviously websites and podcasts and apps out there now. Uh, not, yes, Anna. Well, I've got a really useful thing, an app on mine, where I've got um, two versions of the Bible. So I've got the message and the NIV, and I find that really helpful. <coughs> you know, just seeing different ways of... Great. Yeah, if you're into technology... Uh, you can get those things there and you have uh, the message alongside a, a more, you know, literal translation and, and you've got things like the message, which are a paraphrase. Uh, they've still done the work, but they're trying to bring out the uh, the flavour of it in, in a different way. You know, if you want to study the Bible, don't go to the message. You know, you, you, you go to another one. But but if you want to, it to be fresh and engaged, uh, what have you, absolutely. Through the Bible, yeah, every day with Jesus, um, Selwyn Hughes. Yeah, yeah, yes, thank you. Yeah, that's great. Selwyn Hughes, through the Bible. Other people are a help as well. That's why sometimes just engaging with Scripture in the small groups is really rewarding. Um, it's actually one of the things I've failed to do here in terms of leadership and preaching that I know other churches do, so maybe God's challenging me. But actually we get people together just to say, here's a passage of scripture, you know, how are we engaging with this? You know, how has God spoken to you through that? What, what's your perspective or understanding of it? You know, we grow through hearing one another as well. And um, sometimes, you know, the Christian seasons of Advent or Lent can mean you can say, I'm going to focus in a particular way um, on this or in that book or have a book, uh, you know, for that season. That's just some uh, things there, some approaches. Um, and I'm just saying variety, simplicity and what's reality for you. Um, some people, it's just taking maybe just one verse. Uh, the psalmist says, meditate on God's word. And actually, you probably can't meditate on a chapter, but you can meditate on, on a verse. Or, or they might say, read, read a little passage, but then let God take a particular verse or word um, that that he's speaking into your heart at that time, just for you to meditate and reflect on. That can be a way uh, of engaging. You know, it's not setting aside the discipline of technical study or what have you, but this is the spiritual encounter, if you like, under God. Um, imagination, which um, we're going to finish with something which... Um, just sort of linked into um, St. Ignatius and Ignatian exercise. I'm not going to go into them now, but um, one of the things about St. Ignatius was that uh, he really wanted um, people to engage with passages of Scripture, but with, with their senses and with their imagination, which doesn't mean you're adding to Scripture. It's just saying, God, as I come before this passage, just speak to me about, well... What might people have been thinking or feeling? What was the, what was the mood? What was the taste? What was the uh, and you're sort of experiencing scripture, memorising. Um, again, this is something just from my early years, but there's real value in in memorising a verse of scripture, even just a verse of scripture each week. 
Some of the ones I know, uh, what it is, it's that word of God being planted in us that we live by. You know, most of the scripture I know by heart, I probably learnt, you know, in my early years as a Christian. And so I know as we get older, we do forget things, and that's, that's, that's fine. Uh, but, but it's great, uh, to know God's word. God's word helps you, um, as you, as you share your faith, you know, and, God can only remind us of his word, you know, if we've learned it. Yeah, he can speak. He can speak beyond that as well and just uh, bring something to us. But, but the more we've learned it, it can come back to us. Um, praying scripture, that's a great way to respond to, to, to what you've read. Obviously, the Psalms lend themselves to that anyway. But actually, in reading a passage of scripture and then just perhaps praying back, just one of those verses before God. Um, that's engaging. Um, Lectio Divina is just a way of approaching scripture and you've got a handout about that. Um, public reading. Uh, you know, I was quite challenged by my son a few weeks ago, um, a few months ago, just said that him and three mates, they, uh, they decided to just, uh, where they were, just uh, stand and read for four hours or whatever, the whole of the, Four Gospels, and they just read it out uh, as a, as an act before God. I don't, they weren't in the public square. Um, I think they might have been in their house, but it was just like a, a a reading out of it, which can be quite powerful, actually. And I put chunk reading there in that, just like we suggested when we were getting into the Book of Hebrews, actually, you know, just for one one day to sit down and just read the book of Hebrews, or read the book of James. Maybe not the book of Isaiah, that's pretty long. But, but you know, do some chunk reading because you get the flow of it, and then you can come back to it. Of course, we need help. There's study Bibles out there as well. Um, and again, they're good because you've got, you've got the Bible and there'll, there'll be some really good, helpful notes that explain stuff to you, so you haven't got to go to loads of other books, with the warning that, of course, somebody has written those notes, so they will be from a particular theological persuasion, of course, so uh, you recognise that. But that's just in there. There are some uh, resources here on the table that you can have a look at. For your practice, it's between you and God to know when is that best time for you? Where is that best place? There's no right or wrong answer to these questions. And it is different when you're a young mum with four children or a busy job up in the city. Yeah, there are different demands on your time. Uh, and don't feel guilty about that. The key thing, as in anything, is to be intentional. To be intentional. And if you don't meet that intention, as I say, don't beat yourself up about it. Just say, God, help me or inspire me. That's why you need the variety. Be intentional because you value the word of God. The word of God, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Paul says, shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And if we're to hold out the word of life, the love of God, 
the person of Jesus, then we have to receive the word of God into our lives as well. I'm just going to, by way of uh, finishing, I'm just going to do a very simple um, reading. You put all your Bibles and things down. Just a little bit on the sort of um, imagination, Ignatian approach. Just to, uh, I'm going to read the Transfiguration. Just the account of the Transfiguration. And just ask where you are. And some will find this easier than others because we're all made differently. Just to be so, and try to enter in to this encounter. Maybe by, as I read it quite slowly, thinking, I wonder what they're saying to Jesus. Or how are they feeling as they're trudging up that hill? Or what's happening as that, that word is spoken? It, is it, is it cold? Is it warm? Uh, I'm not going to lead you in that, but just to engage imaginatively with this encounter. And we're just going to take five minutes over this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw only Jesus.